they could do. It's late there, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's 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 just midnight. So like I'm I'm like on twenty fourth of September. You guys are behind. So like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the advantage. You know, I'm in the future right now. I'm talking from the future. <laughs> Somebody told me we're a hundred years behind here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not that. The wisdom of hundred years would be nice, but Did... like, no, not that far. <laughs> you've got a, you've got a distinct advantage when it comes to predicting the Lincoln game, then, haven't you? You already know the score. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have made a lot of money. I guess I think I should have a betting yeah. person. I'm like really yeah. mad. There's no one who scores the first goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like that's that's such a great gift right if you have like if you could just look at like three hours ahead and then but it was yeah. all the fun you know what's going to happen so like oh you can tell people what's going to happen that's yeah fun good. <laughs> you can tell the bookmakers what's going to happen that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I'll be like I'll be I'll be like that octopus. You know, remember the octopus who would predict games? Like uh, the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup. German was it? Was it Germany? I think it was. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. It was a German. Cup, I think yeah. It was a German octopus. You see. Uh, oh, the poor guy passed away though. I think some couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Completely random chance. <laughs> That's all it was. Oh, oh, Daniel, you cynic! <laughs> You're trying to tell me octopuses don't have special powers. <laughs> That's what the tabloids were trying to tell us when it got the fourth right in a Next row. You'll be telling me there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> Love it. What Absolutely. a great way to start. Because, because, uh, because, because lots. Lots of Liverpool fans were getting the knickers in a twist. So starting, we'll start with the Leeds game because that that's the right order. And it was the first league game of the season. There was lots of noise about transfers or the lack of them. Lots of concern. Um, how did you find that game? Le- Leeds were a thing, weren't they? It was unnecessarily exciting, I thought. Um, not least because I was in a pub full of Leeds fans who were so excited that they'd actually planned to go to Liverpool on the train to watch it on the telly in a pub and asked me to go with them and um wow. I politely declined um that sounds like a, <laughs> a hell of a day to me but um so we watched it and they were all in there so I said you change your mind and they uh, seemed a bit silly yeah so they were all in there I had numbered about 32 to 1 basically um, wow, Yorkshire, Yorkshire, I know, it, I know, and they were all in full regalia and full voice as they usually are. <laughs> and they, if there is a pessimistic Leeds fan, I haven't come across it yet. Um, so they were quite convinced <laughs> they were going to spoil our, you know, record and all the rest of it. So I just quietly sat in the front and watched this ridiculous game unfold. And um, say, so I, I you know, we got the perfect start. I thought, well, they'll soon be back in their box, you know. But uh, it wasn't to be. And we, I guess what happened was that we, we kind of continued in the sort of post-lockdown vein more than the pre... You know, so we kind of thought this is a continuation of what we'd seen for much of the sort of tail end of last time, after, you know, with all the sort of slightly um, 
compared to admittedly an insanely high standard beforehand, but we'd been a bit bit looser, and and that game was certainly loose. It was it was you know it's like nobody was really defending much at all. And, and to be fair to Leeds, they they did have a go. Um, they didn't sit back and look meek, and that made me wonder what effect the crowd might have had, um, whether the game would have unfolded in any way in a similar yeah. manner to to what actually happened. Um, it's a great shame, actually, that it would have been a fantastic occasion, not just in the ground but around the town, and you know it would have been it would have been a fantastic occasion. You know, both sides mm-hmm. um, would have had their reasons for it, and it you know it's always a big game always has been historically. So it, it would have been a fantastic occasion. So it's a great shame that it was, um, you know, didn't have a crowd. But I think that was a factor in that game. I, I don't think, somehow, I can't see that game unfolding in the same way um, in normal circumstances. Um, I think we'd have won more comfortably. Um, it was individual errors that we don't usually see. Well, yeah, one in particular. We didn't see pre-title anyway, pre-title. No, 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 that's right. Um, yeah, one in particular. But, it, you know, there were actually quite a number of, number of situations which Leeds got into where they had an overlap and they, thought, you know, they actually mucked it up a few times. And I, I thought, you know, they, they, these are almost threatening every time they come forward. And there were several occasions where I thought if they play the right ball here, he's through, you know, and they didn't. Um, so that that wouldn't go down you know, on the stats as a chance, but as a as a dangerous situation for us, it most definitely was. And there must have been four or five of those, particularly in the first mm-hmm. half. Um, second half reverted to type a bit more, and you know, I was calm. I was calm to the end. I honestly do have such faith in this team that if if we're level with a couple of three minutes to go, I still believe you know we can do this. And I was I was quite calm, unlike those behind me. They were bemoaning um, bad luck and disgusting penalty awards and cheating refs and you know, all the rest of it. Which is nonsense. Bees with um, absolute nonsense as well. Bees, yeah. the, the, the stats from the game show a very different picture to a 4 3, don't they? Yeah, it was a very strange game from that point of view. I mean, um, Leeds only had three shots on target and scored them all, uh, which doesn't happen very often to anybody, much less um, to Liverpool, particularly since Alisson came in. And depending on where you look, uh, their expected goals for the game was maybe 0.4, 0.6, that kind of uh, that kind of area. And um, I know in the um, 538 database of, I can't remember how many thousands of matches, but there's, I think it's less than 50 where away teams had that level of expected goals and scored three times. So it does happen from time to time. Of course it does, like anything really in, in football does happen now and again. But I mean, it's it very unusual. So um, it, uh, it it was probably more of something like a 2-1 game because obviously a couple of our goals came from penalties, uh, which were both penalties. But, you know, you don't always get them as, as we know all too well. So, yeah, it was probably more of a 2-1 game, if anything, than, than a 4-3. But... Um, yeah, it was uh, it was sort of good to to bounce back from that. I, I uh, wrote an article about how bad the defence was, uh, so they were always going to get a clean sheet in the next game because that's how it works. You know, by the time it gets published, it's out of date. That's how it works. But um, yeah, yeah, the lead the Leeds game was strange. I think it's uh, pretty standard for for Liverpool under Klopp. Like I I did a tweet on the day of the game about how many goals had been in the. Liverpool managers like opening games of the season and most of them averaged a goal a game. And then 
Klopp's had like 4-3 at Arsenal, 3-3 at Watford, 4-0, 4-1, 4-3. I mean, it just it just seems to happen. I don't know if they're just not quite at it for him on the opening game or what it is. But um, yeah, always plenty of goals for some reason. And Abby, what did you uh, what did you make of Bielsa's Leeds team? Because I can Norwich attacked the first game of last season, if I remember correctly, but I can't remember seeing even from like peak Man United teams flooding forward with so many players, and that seemed to catch our defense out a little bit. I don't think they're used to that kind of overloads constant, which obviously helps us in attack. But yeah, it's a it's it's well. When you're watching the match live, it's not a great viewing, right? We have never seen teams. Come <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like attacking in a like it reminded me of the Salzburg game where uh, in the second half when uh, we got a clip of Jesse Marsh, you know, shouting, you know, at the players to go out and attack Liverpool, and then they came on and they had a quite a decent front line with Minamino, Haaland, and. Uh, uh, Huang Hee Chan, if I am getting that name correct. All of them are not now at Salzburg. They've like moved on from there. But it reminded me shades of that game where the other team was just uh, for the occasion they turned up. But uh, seeing like I watched the match again late, later the next day uh, in because I knew the result this time and I didn't have to predict it. And I was fascinated because this is from a person who is from Argentina has brought a brand of football that is refined in different places. He's done it in Spain, he's done it in France, he's now done it in England once with Leeds, they failed for the promotion, uh, but then he stuck around and then he's gone back and now he's got them promoted. And so this is third season effectively in, in England. And the football that is brought all the way and all that knowledge, uh, it's just fascinating. There's this 10 minute uh, stretch in the first half where both the teams are pressing each other. Like it's just like a chess game, which in which you're making moves and counter moves in that game. It's so fascinating, but yeah, it's not pleasant for viewing because I guess in one of the mo mo moments we made a couple of mistakes. And as Chris said, you know, one ball in, and there was one moment where Bamford could have been in, and he could have scored a goal as well. Uh, it was just fascinating to see that brand of football and something that you really want to, you know to watch that game because it's just from a different country it brings in a different philosophy and it is up against us and our football is straight from germany and it has so fundamentally it is somewhere very similar but it just like goes to a different level yeah. with the players that we have and the marginal gains and step jumps that we have created for the last like couple of months and years is just phenomenal so it's great for the occasion, like unless if you're like one of the participants or like you support one of the teams. But <laughs> I, second viewing, I just love the game. Uh, it's just that you know we made individual errors. It's it was too early in the season. We didn't have a proper preseason. It was all hushed up, and it was a shortened version as well. So I hope like we don't see so many individual errors in the future. But I also don't hope that teams don't press crazy like Leeds because they're one of a kind that I've seen in a while. Uh, against Liverpool. They are, they are, and of course we know we we saw the slow evolution of this Klopp side um, and how the players take time to adjust to his pressing requirements and fitness requirements, training requirements, and you can't you can't just turn up and just decide to be a pressing side, can you? You yeah. it need it needs that refining, doesn't it, Chris? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um... And and to be fair, I, I remember when he was actually appointed. I, I said to one of the one of the Leeds fans in there that I thought it was a good appointment, and he'll 
if anyone's going to get him back on the straight and narrow, he will. Um, I just, I've always rated the guy. You know, I, I quite like how his teams play football, which seemed to me to be in total contrast to how his demeanour is. You know, they ought to be an ultra-defensive side, if you look at Bielsa. He just looks <laughs> like, um, yeah. you know, but his, his team, you know, it's like Klopp's team being, you know, uh, low-block teams. You know, it would be a total contrast to his personality. Well, I think Bielsa's is as well, in the opposite way. You know, um, they're really expressive and kind of... Um, Free. They seem to be quite free. I don't know how much of that is the, the, you know, the new promotion element. I never liked playing newly promoted sides early on, especially opening game, and especially not away from home if, if there's fans in, because um, they're still full of it, aren't they? You know, they're still full of the sort of, um, you know, suddenly being in elite company again, and um, the joys, the joys of winning. They've just seen win, win after win at home the previous season as well. They expect it. Yeah. Uh, but they were they were inexplicably confident before that game, um, and then of course as the game unfolded, their confidence appeared to be justified, which is really annoying. You know, we kept putting them back in their box, and they kept getting <laughs> back out again, and um, it was yeah. it was quite quite frustrating, really. I thought, come on, yeah, you've won you've won the championship, but we don't even put that on our honours board. You know, um, there isn't room. <laughs> So, um, you know, and, I bet uh, that went down well in a in a room of thirty-two Leeds fans. Oh, the, oh the, the abuse that came from behind me! I thought I was going to fight my way out at once because they were all behind me. I was right in the front of the of the place with the, the big screen in front of me, and these these massed ranks were behind me like crows. And um, I, at one point, when we got that the final the winning penalty, I thought I'm going to have to try and fight my way out of this because I sort of cheered a bit. You know, I cheered like I would have done in the in the Gelded end at Leeds if it happened there. You know, um, but but they all knew who I was. You know, and um, yeah, but I, I I don't like I don't like playing newly promoted sides as I say because they're usually still full of it. And Leeds definitely were full of it. You know, they were they were absolutely um, not intimidated. And I, again, I come back to the crowd thing. I think a full Anfield to welcome back the champions would have made it a much more intimidating game for them to play. Um, I think the way Bielsa sets them up, they wouldn't have been, um, you know, exactly scared. But um, but I think it would have changed substantively, you know, the actual proceedings. I really I really do think so. Particularly on that occasion, I said, the first game back of a new season to welcome back the, the champions. You know, it would have been quite quite some atmosphere. Um, so they didn't have to. They didn't have to contend with that, you know, um, which I think helped them. But, um, yeah, you know, I was kind help of their courage. Help their courage. Yeah, they, uh, I was. Were... I was magnanimous afterwards, <laughs> as you can be when you're out number thirty-two. Love it. These. Um, we'll move on from the Leeds game, and we'll and we'll come on to <clears throat> an actual transfer. Um, <laughs> The transfer that has been tipped since early May, I think, maybe the first notice I got of it, um, and it's been a saga. It has. I assume you mean Thiago. <laughs> I do. Because I, uh, I think we were all sort of expecting that one and the the uh, Jota signing a little bit out of left field. But um, no, I was, I mean, I've, I think I've said before, I was, I'm sort of surprised in a way that it happened because it does go against 
the sort of style of player that they've um, brought before. But equally, at twenty million, I mean, how can you how can you say no if the player wants to come? Really, I mean, it would be it would be madness not to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has been a saga of rumor and counter rumor on social media. If you can be bothered with it, um, and yeah, it's just really good to to get it done. Really, I mean, once it was clear it was happening, I mean, yeah, everybody was was delighted with it, and uh, obviously he showed it at Chelsea just what he's capable of, really. And that and that's after you know one or two training sessions. Obviously, them being down to ten made a difference. But yeah, I mean, he displayed straight away what he's going to be able to do for for uh, Liverpool and it was great to see really. Um, and did you, did you do any articles on him prior to, prior to him signing or after he'd signed in, did you pick out any particular standout stats? I've honestly lost track of how many articles I wrote about um, <laughs> Thiago because it kind of tied in, it sort of tied in nicely with the idea that Wijnaldum might be leaving, um, you know, yeah. one replacing the other. And um, yeah, it was just sort of interesting to look at his stats and, and Van Alden's stats, and they they were incredibly similar. Um, you know, you'd, you'd see people saying, "Oh, you know, Thiago's going to come in and get loads of assists." It's like, well, he didn't get loads of assists for Bayern, so he's probably not. You know, if they've got pretty good forwards, you know, so uh, if if he's yeah. not setting up goals for them, he's probably not setting up goals for for us all that often. But. It's not about that, is it? It's about sort of um, his ability on the ball and, and sort of the pass before the pass, as we like to say. You know, I, I, I know for one article, I did a thing about his performance in the Champions League final and um, how basically, apart from passing to Goretzka, who was next to him, his next two most frequent passes were the fullbacks. Um, and you think, well, OK, obviously, it's just one game that I happen to look at. But, you know, if he's doing that a lot, uh, I mean, that's perfect for, for Trent and, and Robertson. I mean, you know, they're... They're very good at finding each other, um, but obviously if teams start getting sort of wise to that, as I'm sure they have by now, having somebody from the centre who can pick them out uh, really well can only be a good thing. Um, so it, it's one of those things. He sort of Liverpool were a very good team anyway, but he, he still adds something because he's got a skill that they didn't really have um, uh, before um, and at a reasonable price and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just a really good signing. And, um, yeah, I think... You know, as I say, from the stats, he looks like he'll slot. He'll look like he'll slot in straight away, and it, it certainly looked that way on Sunday. And Abby, what did what did you make of uh, the Thiago signing? And you can tie in his performance in the Chelsea game as well, because I, I was kind of expecting it, but I didn't think it, it just came so soon, just before the Chelsea game. It was like, what's changed? And it seemed something about uh, the payment structure or something. Was that anything to do with it? Yeah, I just like on the day Thiago signed, I just had a haircut very similar to him. So like I was sold on Thiago on the day one itself, like <laughs> great work by the PR team uh, to get him signed. Of course, I'm joking. Like I, I've already had, had that haircut earlier as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the payment structure was, I think it's like a masterclass if you say it in that way, because it's 20 million that's like spread over and like it's just, structured over like the five million is like in the next 12 months and then like the rest of the payments come through so effectively you're paying wages plus five million for a world-class player who has just won the champions league a few weeks back and uh, the most surprising part as we just pointed out right like one session two session the guy just comes in and in the 45 minutes breaks the yeah you can say that you know some of them were like short passes you know could be short passes no he wasn't doing all of that 
he was spraying passes left, right. He was like spraying passes to the fullbacks, especially I saw like seven, at least I could count seven passes where he was making cross field pass from the middle of the park to Robertson on the left side of the flank. And he, it's just the array of range of his passing that well, really got me excited. You know, in 45 minutes, I've never seen a player. Uh, there are certain players that I've seen like Torres when he scored his first goal, Mane when he scored that goal against Arsenal. Uh, not even Alonso in that category, right? These were the players when you, you know, when they do something magical, you just stand up and say that, wow, this is the player who is going to like make or break our season, right? And Thiago just feels like that. A lot of people in the German press were saying Thiago would, you know, take Liverpool to a different level, you know, and the saga was so long drawn, you would stop believing it after a period in time because it becomes too repetitive. But once it happened, and once you see that player playing for your team, and then you put him in the, you know, you basically stalk him by the video and see, like, you know, what can he do, what can he not do? And it's just amazing, like, the player that he is. He just keeps the team ticking, and it's not just the passing, it's the tackling. There was this one moment where he just counter-pressed, I think it was N'Golo Kante. He was, like, at the end. with the ball. At the pressing. end, yeah. And he, he just... And when he made him to like, you know, it's like a tennis sort of foul where the other person does an unforced error. And the reaction from Thiago is just like clock, like he's just like twisted in the air. Like, yeah, I got that right. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. I've never seen a player on his debut celebrating a counter press, which makes the other person commit a mistake. So sold over by like the 45 minutes and without such a preseason prep and the instruction that were given by Klopp, you know, just go out there, play your game. It's just like he's been here for the last one year. He's just done one round of preseason with Liverpool, and he's like he's been here for like a couple of years or months. So it's amazing. Like uh, the whole signing fits like uh, so. You know, it fits so easily into the Liverpool setup, and it's very difficult because any new person coming into a team of um, you know champions of England, uh, champions of Europe, and you know world champions, like how do you break into that team? It takes time. So, but the way he's done it, I think he's set a new benchmark, probably some sort of benchmark that Milner does every preseason with his lactate test. So, yeah, so, like, super excited. Little question for you. You can all think. Yeah. I'll, I'll come to Chris next, but the question is, and I'll give you my answer, which other players in world football at the moment would get in this Liverpool team? Now, my... Only answer, apart from probably Thiago, <laughs> is De Bruyne. I think De Bruyne is the only player that we could sign that would go straight into our first team. Now, I'll give you, I'll give, Abby and Bees can have a better chance to think. Um, and I know Chris, Chris is our transfer tracker. So <laughs> I, I want, I want the full saga story from you before you give us an answer. <laughs> but it, it was a saga. I, I must have counted 20 times where you mentioned a Thiago rumor from the BBC column. Yeah, it wasn't going away. Um, I've got to say, first of all, I've got to say that was a you know for a forty-five minute debut, that was pretty impressive. You know, it's just admirable, really. It was just admirable. He thought everything he does is just right. He just seems just right on it, and I, I can't remember being so impressed by a by a debut, a forty-five minute debut. Not Nigel Clough. Um. <laughs> Patrick Berger. Yeah. Patrick Berger yeah. had a decent debut, didn't it? Anyway. He ran around a bit, did Clough. Yeah, he ran around. <laughs> um, um, yeah, De Bru- well, would De Bru- yeah, would he? Where, I think I mean, he's a fabulous player. I, I just think he would. 
he would force us to change style. <laughs> I think you could have De Bruyne, yeah. Thiago, Henderson, and or Wijnaldum, and or Nabe in the other I suppose. Position. I suppose. Um, yeah, you, you wouldn't need too much defensive cover, I guess, with that line. <laughs> no. Um, no. But, uh, yeah, um, it's very hard to sort of um, think about what are the players, you know. Um, you know, there may be a fantastic centre-back out there that might just, you know, slot in alongside Virgil, um, but I can't think of who it might be. Um, we're, we're not missing much, are we? Um, You're struggling. Koubaye, I'm going to try and force him in there. <laughs> Koubaye, who uh, Man City are after, Napoli centre-back. He was impressive against us. Killer belly. Um He was. Um yeah, would you would you would, yeah would you take him ahead of Gomez? You probably would at the moment. Yeah, um, uh, <clears throat> there's another one, isn't there? Um, Upper Meccano at Leipzig seems to be quite highly rated. You know, um, there's one or two dotted about that you 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 wouldn't get. You know, you wouldn't be heartbroken if they if they arrived, but at the same time, I, you know, I, Gomez will take some shifting. I think. Um, his form perhaps hasn't been quite um, as it was at its peak last season. Um, but I think at the age of 23, he's got a lot to learn yet for a central defender and he could be absolutely sort of Van Dyke status immense in years to come. Um, so, you know, I don't really... Um, it sounds kind of arrogant, really, but there aren't, there aren't really many... <laughs> there aren't many players in the world that I'd want, certainly not Messi. Um I hope the listeners. Are, I hope the listeners are getting one. involved. Yeah, definitely not messy. Not not this version. Um, you know, ten years ago I might have said yeah, you know, five years even. But um, you know, um, tough bees. Too wrong, is there? Bees, <laughs> bees. Come on, you've got one. I'm not sure I do, to be honest. I think it is, I mean, what what a wonderful position to be in, though, when Isn't you think just... of the last few years. You know, not so much the last big... few years, but the sort of five years before that. You know, you've got your pick of the players, and, and now we've got a great team, haven't we? Um, I think uh, Kevin De Bruyne is, a, is obviously a very good shout. Um, it would be hilarious to get Bruno Fernandes just so United didn't have him, <laughs> but I'm not sure, you know, that's necessarily a good idea. It feels a bit disloyal to say um, Davis from uh, Bayern Munich, because I love Robbo, but I think he's an incredible um, young left-back. And he probably would get in the team, if I'm honest. Um, but it's not like I would say we desperately need a new left back or anything like that. But I think he's brilliant. Um, he would be great. Um, that is but, a show, and that is a brilliant show. Yeah, he's he's definitely one who I think could improve upon what we've got. But we clearly don't have an issue there, you know. Uh, and we're at that stage, really, aren't we? Like you say, you're talking about that. I mean, you know, oh, Mbappe would be great, you know. But it's not like Mane's bad, is it? You know, it's. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a great position to be in, but honestly, there aren't that many names that sort of automatically spring to mind, are there? I don't think it's that strange to sort of struggle with this. I'm not sure there are like loads, but I th- um, yeah, I think I think you've got two standout left backs in the world, and they they are Davis and Robertson. I think Robertson is slightly ahead defensively, and I think Davis is ahead of ev- everyone offensively. Is unbelievable going forward. Uh, Abe, you've got come on now, you've got one. <laughs> I think De Bruyne, yeah. De Bruyne would definitely <laughs> get on. Trick, man. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, okay, if, if if you wanted a sub instead of that, uh, who? Like Messi, I think five years back, I guess. Five years, you could take him. Or, or maybe if you wanted an old-fashioned forward. I think. 
Lewandowski would be my choice, you know, like if, yeah. if we wanted a replacement for Mino, like taking Lewandowski because he's amazing. He's he just does everything. He scores goals, he creates chances, uh, and he's just brilliant. But in a midfield, I'll probably again go to Bayern and like pinch Tolisso because Tolisso is uh, a really a very tidy midfielder that you would want in your team. So if you wanted to rotate or if you wanted to like have someone who would tidy up and like would like you know have a good range of passing i would pick Tolisso from bayern and probably like Lewandowski. that's it like <laughs> then hardly any players who could like improve because you know coming into the setup and like getting on with this team like you need to be not just a good athlete you just need to have a top top professional attitude and behavior and you need to bring that every time when you train with these guys right so like you're up against the Milners and Hendersons in the world who are not going to let you, uh, like let you dip your performances even in a training or even a five-a-side. So, you know, it's it's way beyond just picking players. Maybe De Bruyne might not even get in because he might not track back. You never know. So well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't so, if he didn't. Certainly, certainly, <laughs> wouldn't. That's right. Um, just uh, interesting if you've watched any of the games this season. I think Lamptey at Brighton. Wow. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, that's a good You get shot. a similar like a wowness when you when I first watched Alfonso Davis, when I first watched Trent. Um I, I didn't quite have the same feeling with Robbo when he first, but I've had those feelings where you just think, wow, that is fullback play at the highest level. This Lamptey lad that can't get in the Chelsea squad. No, that's right. He was a Chelsea another Chelsea um, youngster, wasn't he? Um right back, isn't he? I think he plays right back, but he He's he's quick. In fact, he plays. He shone against us um, the end of last season when we played at Brighton. He, right, he did. He was uh, he was an handful then, and I thought well, worth watching. But um, Newcastle certainly saw it on a Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was. Um, yeah, he's 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 one to he's one to watch. All right, but you know he's not going to house Trent, is he? It's not, and that's the issue. <laughs> you know, um, but he's he's definitely. Um, He's definitely bright, yeah, and quick, blindingly quick. Well, I can't believe how quick it was. Abby, we're going to come to you because you did the uh, Jota article. Um, this was a left field signing. Oh yeah, it, it, like I think between the first tweet when I saw him trending, and I usually track, you know, on the parts where who's trending, who's not. He just like. He was linked with Saar because Saar was our first option. And then Jota became like, within a few minutes, he was trending on Twitter. Like, and in a few hours, he was trending globally, uh, globally worldwide as well. And it was quite surprising because it started off as a rumor. And then the next morning, like uh, the same night, it was confirmed by the athletic journalist who covers Wolverhampton. I think his name is Tim Spears. And he said that, you know, the deal is done. And it was quite amazing because you would hear, you know, about like, I was lucky enough that my first live game at uh, Anfield was against Wolves. And, you know, even I was surprised that I didn't know much about him because, you know, he might have played in that game. I don't have no recollection. But uh, then I realized that, yeah, I celebrated one of his goals against Manchester United. So that was like quite amazing. And it was a very well taken goal on the counter. That's always going to stick. That's going to stick in the memory, Chris, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, so, without, without doubt, yes. 
yeah so like jota was and then when i when you when you look about for the person and the player as well right and they were like comparisons between mane who came from southampton at a very similar age and also with similar style and performances it's quite surprising the way he takes his goals with his left foot it seems like he's a natural left footer uh, the way he scores them and some of his shots are so central uh, it's amazing the way he has pace he can carry the ball longer he ranks number one in terms of carrying the ball in the Wolves team as well and in the league as well. Uh, Statsbomb had a wonderful article on him as well. So uh, it's, I think it's quite a brilliant under the radar signing and we got it done so quickly. It's just got all the, uh, what do you call it, all the blueprint of how we operate as a football club that nobody knows what's actually going on unless the deal is announced and like someone else leaks it in the media. So quite, I think it's going to be a game changer in the coming months when club wants to rotate heavily because I also feel I have a sneaky feeling that he might also like fit in just like Thiago. He won't need much of like conditioning because he's used to that counterattacking and like counterpressing scenarios as well in the Wolves team. So it could be like quite a fit, good signing for the coming months as well. And B's Abbas touched on something there, but have you have you got uh, the stats profile of Jota? Because I I didn't notice I didn't really notice him at all, and I, I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't say I knew like a, a huge amount about him, but um, yeah, there are there are a lot of similarities with with Mane, um, and yeah, it's interesting looking at his stats. He uh, does a lot of dribbling and he gets fouled a lot, which are not things that Liverpool players tend to do. I mean, they do get fouled, but they don't get awarded fouls for them. So uh, whether he'll be able to maintain that playing for Liverpool remains to be seen. But um, yeah, he just seems to be like a really tricky player in the in the final third, um, sort of top 10 in the Premier League for, for dribbles and being fouled and stuff like this. So, um, yeah, he certainly should, uh, should, should make an interesting addition. I sort of wonder, uh, with Klopp experimenting in pre-season with 4-2-3-1 formation, whether that's something that, you know, he's going to use, um, you know, Thiago in the two, maybe alongside Fabinho or something. And then all of the sort of what you might think of as the front four players all, all sort of playing. So, um, which would be quite a sight to see. Um, wow, yeah. But yeah, I mean, whether, whether that's a thing, I don't know. But yeah, it's just sort of interesting that um, Klopp was using this formation, which he hasn't really done in competitive games for about 18 months. He did it a little bit when uh, Shakiri was sort of first in Correct. the team in 2018-19, but hasn't really used it since. So whether he was doing that, knowing that Thiago was coming and Jota was coming, um, probably Thiago more so than Jota, but... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they also all the pieces fit together. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping Jota plays against uh, Lincoln. Suddenly, gives the League Cup match a bit of uh, excitement if if he's going to be making his debut. It does. I, I'm not going to move on to the Lincoln link game though, Chris, because I, 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 I want to know: <laughs> Did you ever see any links in any transfer gossip columns about Jota before that day? No, not a thing. No. Um... If it did, it wasn't in the places I look. And if it's not in the places I look, it soon will be because everyone, you know, as you well know how it works. So, you know, it didn't appear on any of the main sites. There was nothing. Um, it didn't appear in the Wolverhampton Express and Star because I've got friends down there and they didn't know. Wolves fans, they didn't know. Um, they were slightly miffed, I have to say, to, to lose him. Um, he was certainly the sort of the standout player in their promotion. Yeah. You know, when they came up to the Prem, he was he was he outshone um, pretty much everybody else they had on their books at the time, 
and I think he outscored them as well. He he played more centrally for them then. He played sort of just off the striker sort of thing, um, which makes me think he could do a job as a cover for Firmino as well, which is probably needed. So if he can if he can sort of replace two of the front three, that would be um, particularly useful. Um, but um, no, absolutely. Um, I can't think of another transfer of that size that has been quite so under the radar. You know, small ones. That Fabinho, Fabinho was Fabinho was a late one, wasn't it? He, that, it was, was about, yeah. about a week, about yeah. a week or something. Still though, from from yeah. first yeah. from first rumor to deal. Yeah, but there was there was some sort of advance notice sort of thing, but this was almost done by the time it came out. It probably virtually was, um, which is quite quite unusual. It's it sort of reminds me of the old way of Liverpool doing things. Actually, they used to announce it when the you know the cameras took the pictures or even the shirt. Um, no one knew it was coming. Okay, the media attention then was nowhere near what it is now, of course. But even so, Liverpool's style was always to announce it as a fact. You know, after the event, after the fact, um, and that was almost the case with this one. I said the Wolverhampton paper and the Wolverhampton area um, media didn't get it at all. Um, um, and the Wolves fans I know didn't have the slightest idea. Didn't even think he was for sale. Anyone was interested. He just didn't come up as a topic of conversation, you know. He was just one of their first team squad and that's it. And suddenly he's gone. Wow. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a bit shocked, actually. What do, what do you all think of the fee? I had I had bits of criticism. I had bits of criticism about the fee. Quite high, I suppose. But then I suppose it's it's not a huge difference to what we paid for Mane and Salah, yeah. given you know the years that have passed in between and the inflation that would um, you know kick in. Um, so it's, it's you know it's that kind of ilk, and and those players were not at that time with those fees. Um, the players they are now, no, no one command now. No one so at the age of, at the age of twenty three, Jota could, you know, I just hope he follows the same trajectory as as those two did for that fee, and then it will seem a bargain. Abe, what do you reckon to the fee? Oh, I think I think in this market with this age and profile, I think it's it's a fair price that we are paying, and it's again like another way of uh, flexible payments that we offered with Wolves as well. So you don't pay, like you just pay 10% of the overall fee and then there are add-ons around about like 4 million pounds on the 41 million as well. So you're effectively again paying like close to 4 million in the first year and then the payments are staggered over a period of time. I think it's also one of the reasons why we chose not to sign SAR because as far as I could read from all the reports that saw the uh, the valuation was quite high and like the first thing when we heard about the valuation we backed out but in this scenario wolves were like okay with the fee payment structure and so we effectively paying wages again and some few million pounds and not exactly the whole down payment of the money so it's it's quite smart business in terms of the reality that we have around us right now in terms of how there are no supporters in the stadium uh, the revenue that basically drives it in terms of sales and the match days and everything else is dried up. So, and we don't know how long this is going to extend towards, right? So, it's quite a smart way of accounting and like it's a good buy. Uh, you need to rotate your front three because 
uh, the matches are going to be more intense. There's, as far as I remember, there's a two week another international break uh, in between. So that rhythm will again get broken, I guess. And you need to rotate. So it's a great squad option that we have like signed up front. And it's great that like, everyone was hoping that we would sign someone. But the way we signed it is just, I think it's a master class in terms of transfer mm. uh, in the footballing world right now. There was also based the uh, Keanu Hoover sweetener, wasn't there? That might have had something to do with their acceptance of the payment plan. Yeah, definitely. And I, I saw a few people sort of saying they're a bit disappointed that, you know, we, we sold him. But obviously, he hadn't played much. He's still very young. He's still probably a long way from getting, um, you know, a regular spot in the team, which would be very difficult. And, uh, you know, obviously, Wolves needed somebody who could play it right back after they sold Doherty. So, probably sort of works well all round. And, of course, with the... Um, with the accounting, the uh, the purchases get amortised, however you say it, uh, but the sales go straight on the book. So, I mean, his money just goes, gets banked, probably covers the Jota um, yeah. signing, at least for the first year, you know. So, um, kind of all makes sense like that. I was just thinking about the fee. I think instinctively the Jota fee seems quite high, particularly at the moment. But then I was thinking he's kind of one of Wolves' main guys, certainly one of their more saleable assets, so um, they were never going to let him go cheap. So, um, yeah, sure. it, it, yeah. it instinctively replay, feels but... a bit high, I think. But they wouldn't let him go cheap. And, I mean, hopefully if he if he develops into a Mane, then 40 million is is fine, you know. But uh, I, think it reflects, um, I think it reflects the value they, they put on him, actually. You know, uh, that they, they wouldn't sort of, um, they wouldn't, wouldn't want to give him away. He, he was highly thought of there. Um and as for Hoover, you know, I suppose the emergence of Neko Williams has kind of pushed him further back and further away from, you know, the first team. So he's probably third choice right back right now. And he was probably wondering where, you know. And, and Trent's only young, so what, you know, where's, his, where's, his, where's his gap coming from? It's quite from? the fee for your third choice right back. Not bad, is it? No. Um, no. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Really? But, um, <laughs> But I was, you know, thinking about from his point of view, you know, Neko Williams has kind of replaced him as a sort of standby for Trent, and both are very young. So it's not like he's waiting for one of them to to melt. He's going to have a long wait. So I guess he just thought, oh, I want to, you know, I want more of a chance of getting the game. As you say, Wolves had sold Doherty, so um, you know they're one down on that side. So, uh, they'd also, by the way, just signed this young striker from Porto, was it? Um, Silver, yeah, for Fabio. a large fee, Fabio. eighteen. Fabio yeah. Silva, yeah, he's only about eighteen or something like that, and he was twenty million, thirty million, so the loss, thirty-five million, yeah. something like that. Um, which is a lot to pay. So I guess they, they you know, they, perhaps they've, you know, perhaps they've known well, about Men- this Mendes than took seven million of that for the consultancy on the transfer, which is a good gig. Yeah, and it just, yeah, 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 I'm fine. I'm, uh, <laughs> you don't need to do one, <laughs> wouldn't you? You don't need to do one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come, come back to base for this because we'll move on to the Chelsea game. Um, Obviously, there was a bit of nervousness, but that kind of evaporated once the transfer happened, Bees. But we've got a pretty bad record at Stamford Bridge. 
Um, it's certainly in terms of underlying performances I was looking at. RXG difference record there has been shocking in the last three, um, barely above plus 0.2. So in this ga- in this game, <laughs> taking into account the red card, this was fairly impressive, wasn't it? Stats profile. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, well, I know we, we were dominating the game in the first half anyway. Obviously, there's no guarantee you're going to win from there and them going down to 10 obviously helped. But we were clearly the better side in the first half as well. And yeah, I mean, obviously their XG uh, figure got a big boost from the penalty. But if you disregard that, I think they were at 0.2 or something like that. So um, it's uh, it's sort of been interesting. So sort of just, you know, with the Leeds game and that, we've had two games where the opposition have created barely anything and one scored three and one scored nothing. So I know what I prefer, Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was just, it was just a brilliant performance. And I think um, we, yeah, we were always likely to win. And and the the first goal in particular um, was, was great. Just featuring the the front three, which surprisingly few goals actually do feature all three of them. Uh, But that was one example. Um, And then the second goal is just brilliant um, pressing and, um, the article I've sort of working on this week is talking about sort of pressing opposition players and forcing errors. And I mean, there's there's a perfect example. You know, the, uh, the, the stats guys at Liverpool can determine who's the best player to press, whether Kepper was top of the list. But I mean, clearly he's, uh, he's in a bit of a bad place for him, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, it all worked brilliantly. Um, and yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved win. And it sort of feels like it's, I mean, it's probably too early to say it's ended Chelsea's title challenge, but I mean, it certainly emphasised the gulf between the two teams as it is. And it's hard to see them making that up in one season, even if the new players all sort of do start gelling yeah. uh, for them quite quickly. Um, Abby, what I, th- I thought we, the, because 11 versus 11 is kind of the key part of the game because once a, a team loses a player, it has a significant impact always on the, on the shot counts and what have you and the underlying stats but I thought we absolutely controlled them like I've never seen us do with the Chelsea side at Stamford Bridge in that first half they I think they had one shot or maybe two but one shot from the edge of the box Timo Werner Fabinho comes in as fourth choice centre-back what a performance that was in the first half as well Yeah, I had to like rewatch the first half because I missed it. But um, Sorry, man. you know, the first half it was yeah, I, I had an internet problem. So yeah, so because of thunderstorm. But I watched the first half again the next day because I like missed it. Uh, the control was amazing, and guys like Thiago, uh, sorry, guys like Fabinho, sorry, when they turn up on the pitch, and you want guys like him in your five side as well because they read the game so well they are so intelligent. It's not about always about tackling or going in full on and then looking like an idiot because you've missed the man, you've missed the ball, you've missed everything. Like Harry, and Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. And in all that. the one-on-one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens a lot with Harry Maguire. But you can't, as a defender, and I've been in certain situations in a five-a-side, you have to, on one-on-ones, with Kai Havertz and uh, Timo Warner, you can't afford to make mistakes because once they go behind you, it's impossible to catch them back. And Fabinho is not the fastest or the quickest player uh, I've seen sometimes. Like, you know, he's not that quick. But his intelligence of reading the situation and the number of times, I could count like four or five times in the second half itself, 
where he was able to rob the ball from uh, Werner. Either he was pacing himself too quick, the ball was getting away from him, but every time Fabinho was reading the situation so well, it was just sometimes like him defending uh, one up front against the whole Chelsea forward line. So at one point in time, I saw uh, one uh, Werner run where he was trying to run with the ball, and I think he just gave up because the ball went too far away from him, and Fabinho <laughs> just picked it up and sprayed it ahead. So quite a masterclass. Like, I loved it. I've never seen so a person so calm and composed. At, uh, and he doesn't look like a player who would just easily fit in at the heart of the defense because it's the second time I'm seeing him doing that. But it's just fit in like an experienced defender and it's amazing. Are you saying it's that Fabinho psychologically destroyed Timo Werner in that game? To the, to the point... <laughs> you, when you're up against a guy who's... <laughs> Yeah, when you're up against a guy like him, and it happens because then you're thinking, you know what, maybe I should like pass it to my teammate who will pass the ball behind him so I can you know, make another run so that I don't have to go against him because you can like get robbed once, twice, but then three or four or five times makes it look like you know, it's, it's not that great. It doesn't help you as well in the game. So it, it was a masterclass from uh, Fabinho. And I never thought that he would slot in that easily and like be able to carry out the duties. But yeah, I think he was my man of the match, like without a doubt. What a uh, game I that he played. Chris, it's always it's always nice to go to Stamford Bridge and dominate a Chelsea side uh, managed by a, a, a manager a manager caught on camera telling ours to fuck off. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I felt very sorry for him at the end. Um, yeah, of course I did. But he, yeah... I'd like to think somebody had a word with Werner during the match, asking him about his choice of club. But um, I, I, you talk about that in Liverpool dominating. I don't remember us ever dominating there quite like that. Um, bearing in mind that would have been, you know, before a season starts, you sort of look at certain games, and that's that's most definitely one of the tricky ones during a season. And you know, we would be quite apprehensive about that game beforehand, generally speaking. Especially with all their, you know, much vaunted new Before signings. Clock, that goes down for um, me always as a defeat. You know, when you when you mm, we used, we used, yeah, we used yeah, to do on TTT yeah, where you had to predict the results of. Remember all that? Remember that comment thread where we had loads. I think I think it. Was, I can't remember who put it together, but it was. Yeah, yeah that it was. That's a defeat. Away at Chelsea, away at City, away at United is what you're thinking of as a three defeat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously you now Spurs, Arsenal, and for us Everton, they're all you know, difficult games. But Chelsea is most definitely right up there amongst them. And likewise, all those that seek to rival us would look at that and think, well, they'll drop points there. You know, if they get a draw, that's that's as good as they'll do. And then to see Liverpool just turn up and totally dominate one of the supposed other contenders must be really disheartening for. For all those watching that don't have a red heart, basically, um, must have been gutting for Evertonians. But it was—I I, I, can't—I just can't tell you how proud I was of that performance on Sunday. I thought it was absolutely immense. Um, before, as you said, before the sending off, we were in charge of that game, all right. And interestingly, by the way, virtually everybody in that place shouted red card, including. You know, Leeds and United and the City fans and goodness knows what else in there. Pretty much everybody just immediately said that's a red, a straight red. But we were side on and the ref wasn't. So we had a, you know, 
from that point of view, we, we, you'd have a better view. I do, I do, but, um, I do agree. People were 20 yards away from the screen. I, I do agree. I, I, I wasn't too, too sure when I initially first saw it, but I thought, like, as soon as you see the, the camera angle where Christiansen jumps on his back, puts his arm around his neck, and yeah. rug, rugby yeah. tackles him yeah. down in what yeah. would be a great challenge in the rugby, in the rugby no, World Cup not, final. It's not, it's not even allowed in rugby. That's a high tackle. That's fair enough. It used to be allowed. I know they have changed the rules. You used to be able to jump on the shoulders. I've tried it. But it's, um, yeah, but you, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was a rugby tackle. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a either so it was a, a consummate performance, um, and I used to say that City were the worst team to be a man short against. They probably still are actually, because they ruthlessly exploit any space that's going. But bloody hell, Liverpool pushed them close on Sunday. And that's it, that second half. I thought, oh, I mean, this is <laughs> this is a fearsome opponent here, <laughs> you know, for a supposed sort of um, challenger. Rival challenger to the for the top, you know. Um, I never expected such a gulf between the two sides. It delighted me. Total contrast to the to the Leeds games. So that that was now out of the system. The, you know, the, they've had their loosen up and now they're ready and focused again. And that was um, that was more like last season. You know, that was more like last season at Liverpool, but in in what should have been an extremely difficult game. I couldn't quite work out whether it was, I'll come to you, Bees, whether it was the disparity in the quality of players that we had over them or the 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 golfing class in terms of tactics, because it seemed like it seemed like Lampard got completely lost and he and he didn't wasn't intending to attack after buying two hundred million pounds worth of attacking players. I know he only had two on there, but it's, it seemed like you've just seen Leeds do that to us. Why would you then sit back and not and pass the ball out from the back, but not have that incisiveness, not have that directness? I thought it got completely out tactic. Yeah, it was a bit strange from that point of view. I mean, I suppose it's it's easy to say, um, you know, you saw what Leeds did, but obviously Leeds have been playing that way for a couple of years. I don't think it's sort of yeah, easy to just do fair. that against Liverpool if you think it's a good idea. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it is a bit odd with with sort of Chelsea because you know they they're, they're sort of building a whole new team again after he's sort of had the other team for a year, um, maybe made a bit of progress and stuff like that. You know, he um, I can't remember what actually, if I'm honest, what the formation they used on Sunday, but and supposedly at Brighton they used a four two two two. Yeah, that's the right number of twos, um, and. Uh, Chelsea hadn't done that before. Lampard had never done that before. Now, maybe that's what he's going to do going forward. But obviously, he's sort of got to try and integrate players and integrate a system at the same time, if that's what he's going to do, which is a big ask. I mean, maybe it's the time to do it when you've got all the new guys coming in because they don't know any different. But um, yeah, it it did seem odd that they were um, at home and happy to sort of play counter-attacking football. I mean, I suppose they think with the, he thought with the quality that they've got, um, you know, maybe it would work. And, and that's, you know, a reasonable assumption with the, with the guys they brought in. But, you know, when they've barely played together, I think it's, I think it's a big ask for them. You know, it, as, as um, well, all of us, well, I can say, as Paul has often said, you know, 
not buying players. Uh, you know, you do at least build your team. And this Liverpool team has been together now for a few years. Um, and, you know, we know what we're doing. You know, there, there have been some defensive mistakes, certainly since the sort of winter break and stuff. But on the whole, they know what they're doing and they know how they want to play, whereas Chelsea just just aren't there yet. And, you know, I think they can, they can probably win a lot of games as they go because of the quality that they've got, but not against the I just I, I thought, so he changed and brought uh, and played Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic as like a three in front of the back four and they were passing it out from the back so much. He also changed a defender, so he brought Aspilicueta was on the bench this time. He played in the first game. Obviously, he stuck with Kepa again as they were signing a, a keeper from, I think it was from France, Chris. It just, it just, it just... Yeah. Yeah. It seemed to me like he, yeah, he, he, he came. He came to Liverpool for the Anfield game and was a lot more attacking. And then suddenly we, he goes to Stamford Bridge and it just, it just seemed to fall apart for him. Whether that's our control, our, you know, cohesiveness, our understanding of each other, Chris, I don't know. But it, it was complete and utter control from start yeah. to finish. It was that they were strangely cautious. I thought. As you said, especially as most of their investment has been on exotic attacking players. Okay, uh, Zayek wasn't there, and uh, Pulisic, who was a handful for us, a handful wasn't there. But Werner and Havertz cost a lot of money between them. Um, hundred and twenty odd million, something like that, hundred and thirty million. Um, so half, you know, those half two players. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and what they'd already got there have certainly got the potential to, to hurt you. And, and you know, you, you would assume that you'd want to, um, having paid these expensive bullets, you'd want, want to fire them. But um, they, they, were, they were so cautious and, and sort of timid that, that they, you know, they, they broke quite quickly a couple of times. Um, but they, they were the home team, you know, um, and not, not like a... They played like a Super Burnley, as someone put on the side. Um, and you don't expect that from a side like Chelsea. You know, they're not they're not mid-table aspirants. They're, they're sort of, they ought to be Champions League and even title aspirants, but not based on that um, on Sunday. And um, they didn't threaten us very often. Even the penalty was a bit of a soft one. Do you think they'd have been happy with a draw? Do you think he was aiming yeah. for that and then take yeah. a win if you can get it? But yeah, point would be fine. Absolutely, I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I don't know what else conclusion you could draw from, you know, from that display from a home side. Like, it's, you know, that's my point. It's, it's not. A, it's not an unfancied home side, who you know are against a, one of the giants. They, they're they're supposed to be one of them. You know, so I, I found it rather strange, um, but fine. You know, um, Liverpool were. Uh, um, they had that look of unity about them again and hunger and um, they must be an immense thing to have facing you I think when they're in that sort of mood it must be a very difficult and quite intimidating prospect to try and yeah, uh, okay. find a can, way around Can you it. imagine what it was like at half time coming on and then going what they've swapped Tiago's coming on oh my word <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he'll make us run around a bit, won't he? What's the perfect, who's the perfect player to bring on when the team's down to 10 men and you need to pick out some locks in the defender? Hey, here we go. 
Somebody will make you run even yeah. further and harder into gaps yeah. that you don't really want to go in, and just leaving another one behind you. You know, it must be awful. Thanks for that, Edward. Slow death. Um, well, one, one, one final question before we go. <laughs> yeah. I think we've had people banned on TTT for League Cup threads in the past. <laughs> Joe P's definitely been one of them. We, we, <laughs> it's it? yeah, absolute yeah. disdain for the competition. Yeah. But, Abby, what 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 team are we going to put out? What kind of team? It's hard to pick 11s, but what, what kind of team? How many first-teamers, inverted quotes, do you think is going to play against Lincoln tomorrow? I think probably Jota might play, I think, about a good 60 minutes with Minamino and Origi if they're, if they're fit and ready to go. Midfield would probably be kids, I guess, with like Minlo in between them. The defense could be a makeshift one, I'm guessing. Uh, Seb, who is uh, apparently, I was surprised, like Seb, maybe Billy Cometeo, I, I hope I've like, uh, spoken, pronounced his name correctly. And uh, Nico definitely, but left back, I think Simikas might, might definitely might be a good shot. Uh, keeper would definitely be Adrian, so no questions about that. Most of the first teamers might not be a part of it, so folks who play, players who played last Sunday would definitely not be a part of it. So looking forward to you know seeing a different blend of like players who are going to get good minutes and uh, see what they can actually do. Actually, I'm quite excited about Jota if he gets to play a couple of minutes so to have a first look because uh, it's something that you watch on a highlight, but then when you watch him on the pitch and like with this, you know, Liverpool team that is like a mix of like youth and also, you know, experienced pros as well. How does it all gel together? How good is he? And yeah, I'm just waiting for the first uh, counter-attack goal from him. So <laughs> that, that's my impression of like, of Jota, so I'm just going to And I'm going to come to Chris for any advance on that. That seems like a pretty reasonable side. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be far out, would it? Um, so it's still going to be, you know, largely first-team group rather than the actual 11, but I think, you know, we have a, a largish first-team group, and I think a fair sprinkling of those will be amongst them, um, mixed in with a few, particularly defenders, I, I think... I can't see the likes of Virgil and Trent and uh, and Robbo being around and um, the keeper, but um, so I think most of the young and tried um, element will come at the back. But I think uh, you know certainly the, there's plenty of attacking players who we'd like to have a look at. Certainly Jota being one of them. Um, Mino Mino probably still needs minutes. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's too much room for sort of um, names we've never heard of. You know, I don't think um, they'll take it quite that lightly. Um, we've obviously got the, if we get through, we've got a draw against Leicester or Arsenal. So we will have another um, sort of more difficult draw than the Manchester clubs, shall I say, against a decent <laughs> Premier League opposition if we get through. Um, my question would be, should we do the decent thing and actually cheer, cheer Lincoln on in the hope that they can get some TV money from the next yeah. round and keep a small club going? Being as we're not bothered <laughs> about this tournament officially. I, 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 um, 
I think there's genuine points and it's definitely worth another podcast about it, but we haven't even touched on some of the COVID situation that's going on and the fact that Moyes and two West Ham players, the situation in the country going into lockdown, the fact that we've arranged payments so we're not paying much on transfers up front because we're not sure of his revenues, the fact that some clubs have spent absolute mm-hmm. fortunes. It's, it's worth another podcast. We'll come back to it. Because I want to finish with Bees, because Bees, your book's coming out soon, definitely, isn't it? I've seen a sneak preview of the front cover. I'm not going to comment, <laughs> but it's superb. It's stunning. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I can't obviously take the credit for the cover. Um, <laughs> Daniel Marshall is the man, but yeah, it does look great. Um, what the rest's like, Bees, and the cover's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> As that knows that post-match comment is as good as it gets because it got it's it's, it's the Echo article Absolutely. on a weekly basis. So click the link, but we, yeah. we've all read it, and we do. Hopefully, especially the TTs, you've got to buy it as well. You've got to buy it. So. Well, you're very kind. I think we talked about this we on did, the last pod. And it's I'm, still not out, is it? So I probably need to. <laughs> Pull my finger out and but get this book actually Everyone on people, TTT but, knows um, how fucking annoying books can be sometimes. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. I, I won't have to take them all to the post office like Paul had to. I don't envy him that. So um... Everybody everybody on TTT will also be will be totally familiar yeah. with how good this work will be. So exactly. There's no, no doubt about that. Well, thank you very much. But um, hopefully if we record another podcast, I'll be able to say, yes, here it is. Go out and buy it or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I, I've really got to get it finished because I'll have to write about this. I'll have to write a book about this season soon if I'm not careful. So, uh, you know, try, try and get it out for Christmas. Take advantage of the Christmas market. Or all we'll be allowed to yes. do. It's, 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 it's... Just one thing, Daniel. You talk about leaving the, um, the COVID podcast till next time. You sure it's going to oh, not have gone yeah. by then? Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. And uh and uh well finally. We need to talk about crowds, don't we, at some point. There's lots 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 time. we can talk about, Chris. And and I think I don't know whether the situation is mm. gonna become clear or not. I don't think any of us know. Um but yes, no. reading Beezer's book will pass the time when you uh, can't go to the pub. So, and also, but definitely by perched. Perched Absolutely. is better. I think perched is better. Just in case Paul's listening. Well saved. Well saved, Daniel. Like it. Too late, Daniel. That, that's a harsh Slack message in the dungeon for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bread and water. The gruel for you tomorrow. Cheers, boys. Bye.